You're listening to The Three of Witches, a podcast where we explore themes around the lived experiences of witches and pagans. I'm Rosemary. I'm Red. And I'm Fern. And this week we will be discussing altered states of consciousness. Before we jump into this episode, we want to take a moment to acknowledge some recent events in America. Roe v. Wade was just overturned on June 24th. This comes nearly a month after a leaked draft opinion from the Supreme Court. And yet, even with that warning, this news is no less shocking, horrifying, and gut-wrenching. This is indeed a truly dark time for our country, and we at the Three of Witches want to make it very clear that we all believe in the right to choose. That anyone and everyone should have the right to full control over their own body and what happens within it. This podcast is pro-choice. People with a uterus should not have to hope that that state that they live in will simply keep the laws off their body. It really should be a given. And it should be a fundamental right. If you would like to take action and have money to spare, please donate to abortionfunds.org. You can find protests at wewon'tgoback.com and if you live in America, you can find information about your representatives and, informa- <laughs> and information on the policies that they've backed on commoncause.org. Please be safe, but make your voice heard. We won't go back, and we simply can't go quietly. This fight is about all of us. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. In order to discuss an altered state of consciousness, or the many, um, guys, we should kind of talk about what an altered state of consciousness is. So I've been doing a bunch of reading and uh, going through scientific papers, and generally um, generally the consensus is that an altered state, state of consciousness is just a shift or a change from a an individual's normal state of consciousness. Um, It can be a result of trauma. It can be the result of um, practices like meditations, drugs, um, or anything else that might kind of shift your subjective experience is to summarize all the different parts that could go into it, what I would say. To say that trancing, to be clear... Uh, which I think is probably the word that most pagans or witches would use and think of in terms of this. Trancing would kind of be one version of yeah, well, it, consciousness. I would say it falls under. Accurate? I would say it falls under the like for the umbrellas that I've just yeah. listed, kind of more into the meditation side of things. Um, okay. In terms of paganism and practice, uh, 
you don't just have trances you could normal meditation normal quote-unquote there's so many different varieties but meditation generally sorry can you hear very loudly (sighs) (laughs) this is fern yelling at her partner um well, while Fern discusses things with her partner, what were you going to say, Red? Well, I, I, I was going to say, kind of, I think that with uh, trancing and, and meditation and then, you know, drug use and other types of external ways of manipulating your perception of reality, I, I kind of view it more on a spectrum um, that, you know, medit- where the line between meditation and trance work uh, begins and ends, I think is kind of subjective. And I would even say, you know, there is experiences of people who feel intoxicated. Cause I think that we kind of touched on that last time when we were talking about trances, you get, some people do really get an intoxicated kind of a feeling, you know, they're, they feel drunk, they feel high when they're entering certain types of altered states without the use of drugs. Um, and you, you see that in, uh, you know, throughout a lot of traditions, but I think, you know, we really wanted to start talking about some of the uh, more scientific understandings of uh, altered states of consciousness. What do we mean by, you know, Fern's already discussed what do we mean by uh, altered states of consciousness, but what's the science behind it? You know, you hear a lot of this woo-woo mumbo-jumbo, you know, raise your vibrations or or shift your thinking or move into different planes of et cetera, et cetera. But uh, or, you know, let's take LSD to, or, or shrooms to change our minds. But, you know, there is quite a lot of, of founding and, and science in it that I think, um, Fern, you did a lot of research on. Right. So, right. If I just went into all the science that there is, this would be quite a lengthy episode and it'd be a very heavy episode. So to kind of summarize there's a, a lot of different areas of research interest. So I, I want to preface that first. Um, some things when you're looking... Sorry, the cats are running. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that's kind of a point of interest right now with the use of drugs and that what, the way that that would induce an altered state of consciousness, um, you're looking at a lot of like neuroanatomical studies so that's like where in the brain are these drugs affecting and one of the arguments for looking at that also has to do with the look looking at how some of these quote-unquote symptoms like experiences that you have in an altered state of consciousness might also look like psychosis or other diagnosable issues one clear like important point to make is that an altered state of consciousness and like psychotic episodes are not considered the same despite having many similarities not to say that like historically there might be some things that may have been oracle work that may or may not be related to things like schizophrenia we'll never know but going back to the research 
one thing so they're looking at anatomy what part of the brain's light brain brains you only have one uh brain lights up speak for yourself man (laughs) um i got one up here and one nope (laughs) (laughs) um so what part of the brain lights up and does it kind of line up with any sort of uh kinds of psychosis schizophrenia different issues that by understanding that maybe we can make uh antagonistic drugs or drugs that are gonna kind of cancel out what is being done so that's one area of focus you also have the more philosophical side where you're looking where people are looking at are these things possible like are there actual chemical or yeah chemical um differences in the brain while you are meditating versus your your normal state or um after well like i said the drugs or yeah like someone who's really good at going hypnotizing someone or uh, just hypnosis meditation um trance work as well i haven't seen as much with that um i'm sure it does exist and i i know of a little bit but i think it's a little bit more specific also one unfortunate (laughs) altered state is something to do with a trauma response and so it's interesting that the trauma responses aren't considered are considered altered states but anything on the psychosis side is not so an episode of PTSD is an altered state of consciousness um, as well. So you're also going to have research into that. Maybe the use of different, there's a little bit with the use of different psychedelic drugs to treat, whether that be microdosing or different doses of, um, I know there's psilocybin, some LSD, uh, and other research with sort of treating or dealing with the experiences of PTSD and that trauma that like those intense flashbacks and the, 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 you're in a different space when it's happening. Like you are not experiencing life as you normally would. Um, and I, I, I think that's a good point to point out the difference between right a psychotic episode versus mm-hmm. an altered state of consciousness Right. Um, especially when it comes specifically to trauma responses, because like you said, a, a dissociative episode from trauma is removing you from reality, um, removing you from your current reality, I should say. And a psychotic episode is impacting your current reality and interacting with your current reality. Right. Right. That does that does help to kind of clarify uh, mm-hmm. and understand the difference too and i should also mention you kind of you kind of did say it's not just ptsd trauma responses but also dissociative disorders considered an altered state um they often kind of go hand in hand i mean yeah dissociation and issues related to dissociation not always but often have an overlap with trauma right i i think i just mentioned the difference because a lot of the times when you're talking about ptsd people who maybe even have experienced it, but I think the general public thinks it's you're here physically, but you're at war mentally. 
And in some way that's true, but that's not always what those experiences are. Um, you're not seeing, you're not always seeing what was traumatic to you. Or sometimes your body, your mind is just like, I am disengaging from this reality for a little bit. It's not that you're having a flashback. You're just, you're just not there, even though you're physically there, but you're not in the middle of some kind of traumatic flashback, which is kind of the, and it's not an accurate and an accurate way to show that. It's just not the only accurate way to show that. And that tends to be more of like the Hollywood version. Right. Also, uh, the idea of kind of a disconnect from your body and your mind, uh, we can go into a little bit with the idea of um, near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences. You don't need to be near death to have an out-of-body experience, but that's often when people have those stories. Um, that would also be considered an altered state of consciousness. It's very hard to study because unless you have someone who can really go into that on like a trained level, which most people don't do, I'm not going to say no one does, but, and then even if you had one person, that study is sort of preliminary because all you're saying is this person has shown that these things look different for them when they do this. You don't have a population, which fortunately and unfortunately in science, you need an N larger than one. So yeah, something I want ideally to... much larger than one. <laughs> <laughs> something I wanted to kind of touch on with that idea of like researchers and like out of body experiences. So um, in, in preparation for this, I, I was kind of doing a, a bit of research into you know, the, the old uh, giants in the 80s, 70s, 80s, well, 60s, 70s, 80s on, you know, drug research, but other types of uh, research into altered states. And I watched an interview with Charles Tart, which, you know, if anyone has any interest in, in kind of studying the effects of LSD and, and, and um, psilocybin mushrooms, and as he did a little bit of marijuana, but mainly those and other types of altered states. He has, unfortunately, a study of one person, but uh, this one person he reported would have out-of-body experiences where he would um, monitor them during their sleep and they would write a number on top of a cabinet. And then during her sleep, or, or, or a meditative state where she would have this out-of-body experience, he would ask her to look at the number that was at the top of the cabinet. And um, when she woke up or came out of the altered state, she had to tell him what the number was, which was high enough that it wouldn't make sense for her to have seen it in her current reality, but it was high enough that if she could theoretically put her spirit, soul, whatever mind projection out above she could see and he reports that she was able to accurately you know say what the number was granted this is a study size of one <laughs> right um, and I haven't read the paper but I believe that it wasn't every single time was mm -hmm. it accurate um but <laughs> it still is somewhat impactful again n of one it's not going to be an impact to the larger society, but proving that maybe it's potentially possible and that we could study it, um, even if it's not 100%. Uh, I know sometimes 
before like I had a little bit of training with science, I'd always be like 80%. That's not that great or like whatever number, but anything to do with behavior at all always is a little wonky with data. Um, human, yeah. animal, whatever. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> so yeah, like a error of like 10, like an error of 20 is a little high but an error of 10 would be good. Like, and by 10, I mean like 10% where in other fields, an error of 10% would be like, that's ridiculously high. So. Yeah. Unsurprisingly, humans are very different and there are so many variables that go into why people do what they do. And right. That's why you need a large N. Cause if you get a large enough N, you can kind of generalize out those variables. Hopefully. Right. Um, and in research there are I guess psychology generally but in research there are like categories like different kinds of altered states and it's kind of like a a check off as to like which ones and where the like patient or the person being researched is kind of fitting which I thought was interesting Um, unfortunately I didn't get a copy of the original one so I can't read them off but um, I will probably find it in my own time for my own knowledge but (laughs) yes Uh, do you guys have any questions about this or which um, you know you kind of mentioned like uh, mushrooms LSD and Mm -hmm. I, I would argue it's not a little bit of research. I would say that there's been a really big resurgence in the study of uh, mushrooms, especially psilocybin mushrooms, microdosing um, that that's really been kind of something that a lot of people are focusing on because of a lot of, especially trauma related uh, mental illness that is, I wouldn't say resistant to, uh, you know, medication, but just people who have a harder time with uh, a lot of say antidepressants or antipsychotics or mood stabilizers, um, anecdotally, at least they, they report, uh, you know, definite benefits from microdosing and not so much as a, not aiming towards that altered state of being high and having, you know, your floor melt. But, you know, when you take psilocybin, there is also a mood component. You're, you're happier, you're more creative, you're more awake, you're, um, you know, more attentive, colors are brighter, um, you know, things feel just feel more. Um, so when, you know, you microdose, it's supposed to give those added benefits without, you know, being high all the time and not able to function. Uh, and you know, if you're high all the time, you should talk to somebody about that. But, um, yeah, well, and I, I, I know you kind of didn't fully say that it's been used for people who are more, um, entirely forgot the word what is the word resistance mm-hmm. people who are more resistant to medication or treatment but i mean that can be very accurate because um that's one of the directions some of that treatment and research has been looking at is using things like psilocybin for treatment resistant ptsd specifically what i know of um i feel like i should add here i do have 
two degrees in psychology, and despite what my imposter syndrome says, I know a little bit of what I'm talking about, because I feel like I've said enough things, and I want to make it clear I'm not just talking out of my ass. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But, right? I guess I I just do want to say, sorry, when I said a small amount, I I didn't mean, like, (laughs) you're going to get a big, big amount of research once a pharma, like a pharmacist. A pharmacist. pharmacological industry is like supporting it we're not really like there so but that's where the money comes from so yeah but that is very much uh, an emerging version of treatment right and I, i think it's important to note that like the looking at these um drugs and also just other altered states and um like microdosing, which is kind of separated, separate from a true altered state. It's a growing interest, but science will go up and down. So you're going to have like right now, we're really like interested in that. And hopefully there will be funding to look further. But um, interest come comes and goes. So at least there's science to build off in the future. So yeah. Absolutely. And we just got to get a, a pharmaceutical company or just capitalism to hone in on psilocybin and then we're good. I don't really know if I want factory farmed <laughs> psilocybin. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like my backyard Tupperware mushroom. Like, don't take that from me. Although I will say, <laughs> although I will say, commenting on drug quality, street weed versus dispensary weed is absolutely no competition street weed sucks balls Mm -hmm. i it 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 just there is no consistency dispensaries that is a ooh, real good all right maybe we do one factory (laughs) (laughs) if they can make good shit i mean anyway so um (laughs) uh, well so um red just really wants some really good psilocybin we should put that on the record right now Red wants the good shit. The Absolutely. Good Hook me up. Honestly, you might want it like medium good. <laughs> okay, okay, go go all out. Go Which all. I, I hit the I, wall. I will say also, um, in our uh I'm a medical marijuana user, so I have um also a little bit of bias towards, you know, different types of alternate, if you want to say alternate, I don't think it's an alternate at this point with how prevalent it's growing. Um, but using, you know, uh, psilocybin and, and cannabis as, you know, obviously within reason as is with any type of substance that alters your state of being, uh, carefully is, is I, I really do think I'm good. We're going to continue to see it as something that's, um, pushed, and I, I would also say that um, kind of the, the drug culture surrounding, you know, psychedelics and uh, different kinds of uh, uh, drugs is going to continue. I would argue that uh, uh, the alcohol drug culture um, is also an altered state uh, culture that we have oh, yeah. had for uh, centuries. And I don't think we yeah. consider it in that way. But getting drunk, I would say, is oh, definitely, that's definitely an, an altered state. An altered state. It definitely it is. Um, yeah. Oh, definitely. definitely. Um, it, it just falls under, I guess, the label of drugs. Maybe non-psychedelic, but it's drugs. It's drugs. Alcohol so. is drugs. 
And it's so normalized that no one's going to point at a drunk person and be like, that person is seeing God. Um, <laughs> they're just going to say, that person is blacking out. <laughs> I scared the cat. Um, <laughs> well, also, typically, like, if you are so drunk you're seeing God, you're probably dying. You have alcohol poisoning, true. my man. Go to the hospital. See, that's why you need mushrooms. You can see <laughs> exactly. God before you die. With alcohol, if you're seeing God, your liver is saying, I'm done. This is this is it. This is the end of the line. This is um this is a turning into a pretty interesting episode so far. Yeah, we're just having a discussion on drugs right now. Which Yeah. I mean, like Red and I have different opinions on things. I am not so hopeful that things will be changing and <laughs> uh but I think somewhere in between the two is probably more realistic. Mm-hmm. So. Also. I think it helps that we're starting mm-hmm. to use psilocybin to treat veterans. Because one, veterans need help. I'm not discouraging that. But also, that's an easier way to get funding. If you oh, no. point at veterans. It definitely is. There's also the flaw in that system, though, that it probably will never leave veterans. That's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Because there's there's not a lot of, like... The funding for the general public and for treatment, like, in terms of research, like, there's there's some, but there are a lot of things that, like, someone with PTSD or a similar disability who is not a veteran will never have access to. Or will have we to spend a lot more money to have access to. We live in a great country with excellent health care. I don't know what you're talking about. It also values want to preference- all citizens equally. I also want to say that it's not that veterans don't deserve those things. It's just yes. that a survivor of sexual assault could, should also be getting awesome. a free service dog. <laughs> so. Yes. Uh, that's that's my thought. Anyway. So in the, the science and kind of psychology vein, and, and, and then also, I you know, uh, kind of generally what we've been talking about, is there anything else that you guys kind of want to touch on? I mean, it's not so, like, I also just want to say there's so many arguments within everything. Like, you can read one scientific paper and it'll say, like, yeah, LSD is great for this. And then you'll have another one that's like, that paper was completely wrong. And that scientists have bias. First, (laughs) scientists have bias. Second, sometimes science proves itself wrong. So... Uh, but also, like, <laughs> there is a lot of also philosophical uh, concerns with the idea of working with altered states and everything, because you have to define what consciousness is, and uh, is it an altered state of consciousness, or are you not conscious? Like, there's a lot. There's <laughs> a lot going on. So, which is just my thought. Then, especially with psych studies, get it, get a interesting with consent and informed consent. Because if you're not conscious, you can't give consent. Well, if you're in an you, altered state, can you give consent? Yeah, mm, or probably what happens not. When you, what happens when you retract consent in an altered state? Does that quote unquote count? I mean, we know it counts, but you know, right. for a science point of view, <laughs> well, just yeah. wanted to get that in there. It counts, but also <laughs> definition wise, also like. 
there's always the chance that you're in an altered state and like you think you're saying something but your body's not doing it yeah, yeah frequently it's like, or or the opposite where you think something and then someone responds to your thought and you go ah oh, i said that aloud <laughs> <laughs> that's okay oh yeah oh yeah like <laughs> side slight side story um so in college one of my two friends or two of my friends when they got high for the first time I was like oh guys you're definitely gonna be because we were walking like across this campus it was a big college campus and I was joking like five minutes before they got high and I was like you guys are gonna think we're walking super fast we're walking very slow (laughs) hits them we're walking and they're like oh my god we're going so fast look we're moving faster than the sidewalk and I was like guys shut up (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, that's what weed does to you. It just makes you think you're going faster than you are. Uh, Something I just kind of, uh, sorry, just touching something on uh, what Rosemary said about consent and altered states. So what I will say, speaking of kind of like cultural change in the way that is being perceived um, is... I, I also feel like I'm seeing more of a conversation of just uh, why it's important that we take into consideration altered states when, you know, doing things like consent. And I don't think that just applies to, you know, sex. Um, that can apply to a lot of things. Um, and uh, uh, that we you can also enter into the consent and altered states in meditation consent and altered states of being in trance work consent of altered states of you know the various types of uh you know things that you can you know the, the ways that you can enter into things and then it's important to um you know if you wouldn't ask a person a question while they were sober or while they were in their quote-unquote normal state of being don't don't ask it when they're drunk or high or in a meditation or in a trance or hell you know you could even say like certain types of magical work depend on you entering into a certain type of altered state oh it def oh definitely i mean there is like full practices surrounded about like going into trance to get answers Mm -hmm. for yourself or others Mm -hmm. (laughs) um i oftentimes um because an altered state does not, again, does not require drugs. We discussed that, that it can, but it doesn't. Even sometimes certain smells or sounds are enough to kind of put you in a different headspace. So a like full ritual mindset where you are, it's almost a different place than like your normal mundane reality. <laughs> so maybe consent is super also important there. Maybe. Like, definitely. Which, with that kind of uh, topic, uh, I could move into talking about something more historical-based. If we are done in, uh, obviously, can can come back up, but in the more scientific psychology type of... Right. I think we've covered it enough. (laughs) 30 minutes. Otherwise, we're going to start going into, like, neuroscience. (laughs) I don't know enough about that to speak. Of the nerds here, I am not as nerdy as these two learned ladies. No, you're just a different kind of nerd Hey, 
<laughs> Don't call me out, man. <laughs> okay. It's okay. We all play D&D here. That's true. That's that's true. Anywho's, but what I was going to say is with like, you know, with ritual and magic, uh, you know, you can enter definitely this this altered state of being without the use of um, drugs. One of the things that I looked into when considering altered states, not only, you know, the, the science and the way your brain works and, and the way that we interact with substances, um, although there are substances included in this, but uh, supposedly, theoretically, the um, Eleusinian or Eleusian uh, mysteries were a uh, practice, a mystery cult in um, ancient Greece, um, obviously starting in Eleusis, and then it really spread because of how popular it was. It was uh, dedicated to the mythic cycle of Demeter and Persephone and Hades. They had other... Yes, Rosemary. I would like to point out, you said... Or not point out, but a point that you said it obviously came from Eleusius, but I don't know. Is that a <laughs> Sorry. place? Yes. <laughs> is yes. that is that an ancient place? Does it still exist today? Uh, I know it's ancient. Eleusis. It is. It's a municipality in Greece. Okay. I was. I didn't know if that was, if that was a, a region or a city or or a temple. So Gosh, I just wanted to... Rosemary, how do you not know this? Are you not brushed up on your ancient Greek? Anyways. I know, I'm really, I'm really <laughs> slack. Listen, once the Percy Jackson Disney Plus show comes out, it's over for you bitches. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just let you guys have the Greek stuff, because I will just be over here with my uh, Mesopotamian Viking. So. <laughs> That's that's a combination. Yeah, I know. It doesn't work very well, but here I am. <laughs> we just keep going. But yeah, no, Eleusis is a a uh, town and or a town, a region in uh, Greece and kind of in the big myth of when, uh, you know, Persephone is kidnapped and then Demeter goes looking for her. One of the places that Demeter supposedly stays is Eleusis and then she establishes her mysteries there. So she, you know, teaches them to the, the people of that town and um, they're the mysteries. So we don't actually know exactly what they did. You weren't supposed to write anything down. You didn't say anything to those who were uninitiated. It was initiation cult as well. They had the lesser mysteries in the spring and then the major, the greater mysteries um, in the fall. And it was definitely centered around altered states because you were supposed to kind of go through these purification and then you would, you know, see the visage supposedly of either, you know, Demeter or Persephone, uh, depended on kind of what time of year. But there's also a theory that they used um, ergot, ergo, is that, is it ergot? I think it's ergo. Ergo. I don't know. The fungi. The fungus. That can grow on like wheat or barley. And again, theoretically, everything I'm saying is theory because we actually don't know exactly what would happen. Um, They would consume this uh, fungus, which can cause kind of LSD-like symptoms. And then they would go through these rituals and these actually like ritual plays and reenactments and processions and um, go into these temples and either they would, uh, you know, while they're on this uh, drug, they would uh, reenact kind of uh, Demeter searching for her daughter 
or, you know, other, again, we don't really, really know, but I think it's an interesting example of using altered states in ritual. And so even if they didn't have this component of literal, you know, intoxication, there was, you know, this ritual practice of getting into, you could say a meditative state or a trance-like state of watching a uh, reenactment of Demeter searching for her daughter, where you were supposed to enter this alternate state where you could literally see the gods. Um, and there's a whole lot of a part of it that was tied to your, you know, ability to get into the afterlife and which afterlife you would have. And, but that's a whole other topic. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's a very brief rundown, super, super simplified on the, the mysteries. And there were other parts of it. But I think we can see how, you know, the scientific psychological backing that, you know, altered states exist they, you know, can be brought about by intoxicants or through uh, different types of practice and ritual have been part of, you know, human practice, human religious practice, human spiritual practice for forever. Yeah, and that sounds um, a little bit similar to some of the uh, Irish stuff I was looking up. Um <laughs> The uh, ancient Irish were very big on, you know, storytelling, poetry, satire, not the kind of satire we think of. Um, and there are lots of poems about the gods and stories. And it was, it is kind of thought that in telling these stories, you would kind of, the person telling them and the people listening would go into a sort of inspired state which it is not explicitly a trance or an altered state of consciousness uh, and of course we have to remember you know people have different words for things and different vocabulary for things over history um, but it is it was a similar thing from what you were saying of telling the stories of the gods in a way that brings you into an altered state uh, and it's almost devotional in a sense um, but the ancient Irish in general, it's, it seems they, when they get to those altered states, words or chanting or poetry seem to be involved. Um, there was one specific um, example that I was reading at, reading of, reading of, reading about, <laughs> um, that I found really, really interesting. Uh, and this, everything I'm saying is coming from uh, the Book of the Great Queen, by Morpheus Ravenum. Great Morgan book. It is very dense, but so much information, um, which also means that my information is a bit specific to the Morgan. Um, but there was one, oh, there are a few stories about how warriors in their war camps before they, uh, before they would go to war the next day would it seemed to wake wake up and have a moment of trance speech. Is that was what it was what it was called? Um, so they're not fully waking, but they come out of sleep and deliver um, a few chants in verse, and they might include prophetic visions about the upcoming battle. And in the stories, each time this happens, one of the um, I mean, it's arguable whether or not she's an aspect of the Morgan, but Nevin appears, who is a very, very old um, war goddess 
who exist in Ireland, but also has links to like continental Gaul, even far back like into European origin. Sometimes she appears with the other sisters of the of the, the Marigna. Sometimes she appears as one of the sisters. It's a bit unclear. Um, but when she appears after these moments of trance speech happen, she brings chaos and confusion and dread. It was a little bit unclear when I was reading it um, whether or not all that chaos and dread, which sometimes killed the soldiers, just they just died of fright, whether or not that was happening to the encampment where the trans speech was happening, or if it was happening to the opposing side. Uh, it was a little bit unclear. When I was reading a bit further, it makes me think it was likely happening to the opposing side, because there are also stories about um, these warriors having specifically trying to get into a trance state, not just spontaneously waking up in one, um, where they're drinking mead. Uh, and it's kind of implied there were probably some interesting herbs in the mead that helped them along. Uh, and because the Morrigan herself has a lot of links to um, prophetic speeches, it kind of feels like, it doesn't explicitly say, but it kind of feels like this might be ritual possession, where the Morrigan is possessing the warrior, and they give this trance speech that involves those um, prophetic visions, and then Nevin and the sisters descend, which... Like I said, it was a little bit unclear while I was reading it whether or not they're attacking the opposing one. It kind of makes me think if it is ritual possession, if that's closer to what they are describing, that the Morrigan chooses that side and delivers their warning. And then the other side is the one that gets Nevin's delightful presence and dies of dread. Um, and I... That was mostly what I have about an example of um, kind of trance-like stuff in ancient Ireland. I generally think it's interesting. I don't have a reconstructionist bent to it, but I would generally say if you want to trance like the Irish did, drink some mead and uh, prepare a nice poem and get ready to chant in verse, something will happen. You'll, you'll have a good time. Hopefully Nevin doesn't appear, but don't blame me if she does. Let's try it. <laughs> I, I like that. I like the, the use of either kind of the poetry to get into the trance, but also that the trance creates poetry or verse or types of um, speech. But something you said, uh, Rosemary, kind of, uh, I know we didn't have like a whole lot of questions this um, episode, but a question I, I had do you guys think that ritual possession is an altered state? If, if, if I understand what you're thinking, it's that it's not an altered state because it's not your consciousness speaking. And that's kind of the thought that I had while Rosemary, you were saying something of that they would get, you know, they would have Nevin within them, that Nevin would be possessing them. Um, and, you know, thinking Fern about what you said about the definition of an altered state you know, it still depends on this self. The self is still experiencing other things. Um, 
I've never been, you know, uh, ritually possessed, so I can't, you know, quite speak to what it's like for the self to literally be possessed by a god or demon or, you know, spirit, whatever you want to say. Um, so is it yeah. an altered state if the self is not the one that is shifting, but rather the vessel, the body is filling with the god? I think it would, I think it would depend on like I mean like you said I've not been ritually possessed I've watched it happen but I didn't have an in-depth conversation with them afterwards about what that was like because I feel like if you were if your consciousness was still very present and like looking out of your eyes but being aware that there's somebody else driving this thing maybe it wouldn't be an altered state because you're still very present but if your consciousness is not really there if you come out of that possession not entirely sure what happened that feels more like an altered state and that's closer to what i've heard from people but i have like i said i haven't exactly interviewed people um based just roughly on like how we're defining i would actually argue the other way where if your consciousness is there and you are experiencing it then it would be an altered state if you just don't remember anything maybe not but Generally speaking, uh, the way I've kind of heard descriptions of experiencing ritual possession to be, are th- there's different ways. There's, there's more than one way that it's experienced. And I think that that depends. Is if you, like your entire being is just you as a soul, quote unquote soul or whatever, um, con- your full consciousness is just outed for a minute. I would say probably not, but that I've also heard the the term um, heard ritual possession described as sharing bodies or sharing a body, um, which you know, based on that, I would say kind of yeah, because you're still experiencing it and it's affecting your ability, like the way you're perceiving things. And that's what consciousness is really concerned with is your ability and how you perceive the world. Um, There's like, there's just like a lot of different ways that ritual possession can work and like the experiences that it can have. It can be like an out of body experience where you're watching what's happening and your body's doing its own thing. It can be like sharing a body. It can be that you just don't remember but that's pretty rare from what I've from what I've heard from people who I who have done it more often than I have. <laughs> um, and then there was like another way I've heard it described. So sharing a body out of body, just poof, or like kind of like this isn't like a full ritual possession, but it's like you are talking to them, but they're they're right here. And then you're just speaking what they're speaking. Mm. Like you're just one, two. <laughs> um, so that's what I would say. So another kind of example. Uh, so a, a second kind of thing that I looked into is um, Sufism, which is not polytheism, paganism at all. It is a, uh, a mystical tradition within Islam kind of uh, that was started in the Persian uh, area. Rumi, if you guys know Rumi, uh, he's a really famous uh, poet, and he was a Sufi. And so a lot of his poetry is inspired by that, uh, the, the mystical uh, tradition. But 
I, uh, hmm. I'm not going to call it ritual possession because I don't think that they, <laughs> people would like that. But one of the things that Sufis do is strive towards this annihilation of self. Um, and they do this through asceticism, um, but they also do it through fasting, ritual dance, ecstatic dance, um, you know, really long prayers. They do a lot of really, really, uh, I would say intense stuff in order to get them to this space of um, self-annihilation so they can literally be uh, and, and it's not even like a filling it's almost like a joining with god and um that in uh, sufism there's this master disciple relationship so the disciple learns from the master and the master in certain traditions and again this is super general but in certain traditions a master is supposed to be so able to annihilate the self and be joined with god that when they're speaking, it's God speaking, it's not them. And so I think that would also be another kind of example of, I don't know if I would call that an altered state, because the goal is the the annihilation of self into joy and, you know, ecstatic prayer and ecstatic dance. And, you know, the, the, the ascetic lifestyle you know that you reject the flesh and the, and the world so that you can literally be joined with god um and uh be able to have him joined with you so it's not even that like you're it's not even that, like you two are kind of like squished you know you're it's shoved over on the right and you know god is, is shoved over on the left and you're sharing this body it's supposed to be this actual joining and um, yourself obviously comes back at some point because you can't maintain that. But I, I, I'm kind of wondering, would you guys consider that an altered state? Um, I guess I would based off what I just said first for the ritual possession, because it's similar to the idea of sharing a body, although it's it's more than just sharing a body, it's sharing a whole being. Um, so probably also because the steps to go into it would, are what would also induce other altered states. So just based off this little conversation, I would say, I do think it is. Um, and I also just want to say, like, something being labeled as an altered state of consciousness doesn't, to me, make it, like, more or less valid. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I just... Like, labeling it is just, it's just labeling it. Mm -hmm. That's how we're going to understand it. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I would agree that I would see that as an altered state mm -hmm. of consciousness, pretty much for, for the reasons you said. I think right. my my thinking with that kind of specific example is kind of agreeing with what you guys are saying, but I think it's like you have to achieve an altered state in order to be joined. But I don't, I I, I don't know because I think since the goal is the annihilation of the self, I would say that that process is achieving an altered state. But then when you know, God is speaking through the 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 Sufi. Um, I don't know if that's an altered state because you're technically not supposed to be there. Like you're not there. Right. Like you're joined with God. Right. So 
<laughs> I'm agreeing. Really sentient. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is also where, like, definition of consciousness is really important. Um, and, like, sentience, perceiving. We, oh boy. Yeah, because, like, if, if a you. A long time to answer that question. <laughs> because if you consider being asleep to be an altered state of consciousness, or if you consider that to be different, just something else like no consciousness i could see like because what you're describing there that annihilation of self of just you're just not there almost feels like it could be closer to sleep or a coma if we're going to give it more mundane words so then it's do you consider that an altered state of consciousness or is that just a third option so Dreams are definitely an altered state of consciousness. I don't know about like, you're talking about just the, the I forget which part of sleep it is, but the REM? part where, yeah. B- where, before no, REM. The other part. REM is where you dream. The other part. There's like where Delta you, and. Yeah. Uh, where you're not dreaming is what you're talking phi about. Phi Beta Alpha, whatever the heck. Yeah. The frat, the frat <laughs> brothers before you were <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Is a coma an altered state of consciousness? Fern is um, looking it up. I mean, you can yes, dream I, in a coma, but not everyone does. Or, I mean, not everyone remembers their dreams anyway. Uh, I think so. Is, I think oh, uh, I, I'm going to come back to me in like three minutes. I'm going to need to actually read a little bit more <laughs> than the first Google. She's skimming. Um, well, because yeah. I... That's actually a really good point, Rosemary, because my initial reaction is like a sleep in an altered state of consciousness. I would say yes, because your brain waves are different. Your the way that you're perceiving of the world, i.e., not is different. Um, that you can, you know, that it produces dreams or not dreams. Like I would say, even if you don't remember your dreams or you don't dream, that's still sleep. So. That's still an altered state of consciousness. You're still changing the way that, yeah, you're, you're changing your brainwaves. You're changing the way that you're experiencing the world. So I would say that sleep then is an altered state of consciousness. So then does that still apply uh, with this example of the annihilation of self? And, you know, if anyone who actually follows like the Sufi tradition wants to yell at me for explaining things incorrectly, please do. Um, I, <laughs> I feel like I did decent research um but uh uh, if i didn't i appreciate that but but just going uh based off of this idea of the annihilation of self then maybe that is an altered state of consciousness maybe you have brought me over to your side because i'm i i had a, a moment of hesitation in calling sleep an altered state of consciousness and i don't fully have my explanation for why my brain wanted to have a separation there um. Yeah, I I don't know. Mm-hmm. Fern's thinking that or reading. Uh Remember? doing some reading. So one of the, one of the things that is uh, important to note with defining what is and is not an altered state of consciousness is also that scientists do not fully agree. Well. <laughs> 
Yeah. And the, so, end the episode. Boom. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Scientists yeah. don't even fully agree what dreams are exactly. Yeah, so. exactly. So I think just from the fact that just quick, quick reading, uh, just to answer if a coma would be considered, I think so, because you are still perceiving the world. You are just in a physically vegetative state. Mm-hmm. So like it's you can hear some people can hear and process information like that but you can't open your eyes and you can't move. So yes, I think is the consensus, but I'd need to read a little bit more than what I did in three minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So, which I think, uh, Fern, you bring up a good point of ultimately when we're talking about altered states of consciousness, what is the non-altered state of consciousness? What is consciousness? I think is kind of a big question that we would have the answer that, frankly, I'm not going to answer tonight at 9.40 yeah. p.m. on a Tuesday. Yeah, that's a, that's a big philosophy question there. That's up there with what is a soul and do people have them? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> um, Especially because consciousness tends to end up being tangled up with the, the concept of a soul. Not always, but... Well, it's pretty directly related to the idea of sentience, which then goes back to yeah. soul. Um, but it's also important to understand that, like, people are going to have, if you're really, like, considering consciousness as perceiving and processing information and the ability to do things with that information, which is how I would generally define it, But that doesn't mean that my normal, my baseline consciousness is exactly the same way that Red perceives or Rosemary perceives. It's probably Mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I don't, I'd have to do a little bit more research as to whether or not, like, you would consider, like, someone's baseline might be affected by anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, etc., so and i would say it is because it's there normal and then it can alter from there so i'm still thinking about whether or not dreams are an altered state (laughs) rosemary's stuck there my thoughts and this is probably where i might just this is kind of just vibes i'm gonna like this is my vibes with the definition not necessarily the definition as it is as as it has been detailed by researchers because like i i know that some research into dreams has seen dreams as your brain kind of rehashing the events of the day and that just feels so i don't this is very much just vibe so it's hard to explain in my head (laughs) um that feels so contained to you and like, I don't know. But then if you had dreams where you feel like you saw a loved one who passed or you feel like you had a prophetic dream or that feels like that is different. That's And like that would be an altered state of consciousness. This is purely vibes. I cannot explain it. Okay. Well, I'm going to fully disagree. Um, <laughs> but I also think that you made an interesting point where you said it's just like – you're only concerned with self. You're only like thinking about self if yeah, it's just your day. But we don't need to talk about like a collective consciousness 
to be like it's your individual that we're talking about right now right I or is just, that again or do you disagree like I don't I because you can and it might, it I'm might not be, trying it, to <laughs> yeah it might be just that my most of my experiences with an altered state of conscious i.e. trancing in my in for me is that I am going somewhere like I'm going to try to make contact with a deity or I'm going to quote unquote the underworld to see if I can find my spirit animal like it's that feeling for me of I'm outside of myself and I am reaching for something else which might just be a subset of altered states of consciousness and not all of them and it's just that so then when I think about dreams that are contained to rehashing events of the day that feels more like business as usual and not an altered state of consciousness I don't know again vibes right I guess it also might be a flaw with the term because we're talking about altered states keyword being altered different Mm -hmm. and um it is important to note that we're just talking about altered from like baseline not altered from your normal like full 24 hour cycle including sleep (laughs) which is an interesting point it is a not perfect term which rosemary i can also see your point because uh, with you know the the way that that dreams work in your brain if it's just your brain firing off neurons it does that all the time um so why is that an, an altered state of, of being you know I, I would still generally uh, agree with fern that it's more like dreaming is more on the altered state because again it's like that change in in brain wavelength and the way that your brain functions i don't Hopefully there, we have disorders where you go into REM sleep when you're awake. <laughs> like my aunt had that. She had to take medication for it. Um, she had narcolepsy. That's absolutely terrifying. Yeah, she had narcolepsy. She has narcolepsy. Um, she has to take pretty heavy drugs <laughs> to not just fall asleep at the wheel. But um, that I, I would think that because there's a change in the brain, you know, literally there is a actual change in the brain when you're sleeping and the way that the, the, the brain waves are that I would count that as an altered state because, you know, we have, you know, there's the classic when people bring up meditation, all oh, the, the monks and then they study their brains and their brains, like the brain waves did change. Um, so the way that your brain fires when you're in a meditative state changes, which is why I think when you're in a trance, it's an altered state. Um, and why you're when you're on drugs because it it affects how your brain is firing. That's an old, sorry, that's an altered state. Um, so I think it's, you know, if you want to get to the the kind of like more sciency part, I think that uh, you know excluding the other kind of more spiritual, religious, cultural kind of things, just the change of brain, I think counts as as an altered state. Right. I would agree with you, Red, generally. But then what exactly of what is your normal? Because I think that you could maybe by that very definition count depression as an altered state. Yeah, that's that's what I was trying to say yeah, earlier. Yeah. It's like I <laughs> there was a point in my life where panic attacks were daily. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably call it an acute 
altered state, but are are daydreams an altered state of consciousness? I would say yes, because you're not like the same level of like present that you would be if you were uh, not daydreaming. I don't know if I would so see. I I feel like quickly say. I feel like it depends. It depends. I feel like it depends on how you define daydreaming and how daydreaming acts for you. Like, right? Yeah. Like, how, how into your daydreams do you get? How far away from your body and your current reality are you when you daydream? Well, how little far away are you to like? <laughs> like I don't know. It depends like, on when I have time for daydreaming. <laughs> I'm like doing stuff at my job, and like my brain is over there. Which I'm still doing focus, it though. But, but I would say then, you know, a certain amount of dissociation in your life is completely normal, is mm-hmm, what I yeah. would say. Like when you're driving the same route every day, you are not consciously aware as you would be of, um, you know, when you're driving to a new place. Or if, you know, we, I think we've all worked restaurant jobs. After a certain amount of time making the same thing, over and over every single day the same way every time um because i worked fast like i guess it counts as fast food um yes it does yeah i'd count it as fast food i don't think they'd like me saying that but it counts as fast food it's fast it's fast and, it's food. and it is food it's not mcdonald's but it's fast food um your brain does go somewhere else but i think i don't know if i would count that as an altered state because i think that that level is pretty normal across the board you know i think like it's but let me ask under the line that would then cross over to altered state for you yeah let me ask in that in that situation where you're thinking about something else would you respond to an outside stimulus the same way you would if you weren't doing that so like what stimulus something dropping so like well just like a normal stimulus. I'm not talking someone punching you in the face. <laughs> I'm talking like I'm talking about the person see, next to you drops a fork or like like would you notice and see, but I I startle so I startle so easily that if I'm not super deep in my whatever daydream or dissociation, I'm going to respond. Oh, I'm not saying that you don't respond. No, I know, but that it would that would drag me out as opposed to I because I what I think. Well, no, but I think Rosemary's making the point of if we're saying that your reaction while you're in an altered state determines whether it's an altered state or not, and Rosemary startles pretty easily while in an altered state, does that disqualify from her being in an, an altered state? No. So then your response to stimulus wouldn't matter. Yes, it does because it's it's how you're processing it. It's mm-hmm. not just your physical response. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's so many levels of response. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Is just being able to come out of it doesn't affect whether or not it's a state, mm-hmm. like altered state. What I'm trying, in my my understanding, what I'm saying is, would you respond this? perhaps at a greater level would it be more startling would it be exactly the same are you more likely to startle when you're a little bit like spacey that kind of thing not would you respond at all Mm -hmm. or 
would it be the same? I guess, would it, not if it's behaviorally nearly the same, but is it faster? Is it slower? Is it, um, does it have to be slightly louder? Does it have to be quieter? You know, like, does it take more or less? Like, that's kind of what I'm saying, I guess. Yeah, my my argument against that, though, is mm-hmm. let's say I'm working my fast food job and I'm my brain is somewhere else. I'm thinking about what I'm going to make for dinner that night. Someone drops their keys next to me. I, I think I would respond the same while on the, the, the food line as I would say sitting in, in a trance state and someone drops their keys next to me. I think I would jump and look. Well, then, so why, so are you saying that's not an altered state? So you disagree with me because I'm saying it is? Yes, I'm because what I'm okay. saying is getting wrapped up in your thoughts or uh, daydreaming to a certain point. Um, I would not count as uh, an altered state. A certain amount of dissociation, again, I think is pretty normal. Um, right. So I wouldn't count that as an altered state because like daydreaming, getting lost in your thoughts, um, you know, having your, your hands physically doing something um, because you've done it a million times and your brain is elsewhere. I wouldn't necessarily count as an altered state. However, I think you can like, um, you know, walking meditation is definitely a thing. Meditative art is definitely a thing. So you're physically doing something, but your mind is elsewhere. I think for me, it's simultaneously an interaction between intent and, um, kind of what is happening to your brain during that point. I think daydreaming and getting lost in your thoughts, you're still going to have a quote unquote normal brain level versus a trance or a meditation um, where you can still be doing those exact same things. So you could, you could be at the food line. You could be sitting in the chair. I mean, I, I think I'm closer with you read in that, there's like a certain baseline of distance that has to be met um, before I would call it an altered state. Mm-hmm. And that that and that, that level of distance is hard to quantify. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to say, I think the fact that we mentioned, you know, that mental illness does definitely play a component and that it can alter your state to a point and then that's your your new normal um assuming you're not born with and suffer or experience as equally at the same level from the moment you're born throughout your entire life um that it does uh, you know cause a quote-unquote altered state i would count depressive episodes as an altered state i would count anxiety attacks as an altered state um because it does change things so i think that's also just a consideration of you know, when we're talking about daydreaming or having flashbacks, someone who has mental illness, trauma, PTSD is definitely going to experience that differently. So when I say daydreaming as someone who doesn't have PTSD to someone who, you know, does, that that can also cause a lot of that difference in perspective. Yeah. <laughs> so whoops. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is a, an important thing to keep in mind and why I think it's important that people with different experiences and different ways of perceiving and different consciousnesses are studying this. 
So I think with all of that summed up, you know, getting into altered states of consciousness, whether that's from a scientific, a psychological, um, a, a religious, spiritual, cultural, historical approach, this is obviously a huge subject. We've gone into our personal experiences with trance and altered states in a previous episode. And I think this episode, we really wanted to look a little bit more broadly um, at the subject. So uh since we're hoping to end this um do you guys have anything that you kind of want to um touch on um yeah real quick i just want to say like this is from our understanding of what we're talking about neither of us neither none of us are scholars in this field specifically in drugs (laughs) in religion (laughs) like so what we're understanding might not be 100% the way someone who spent their entire life studying one of these topics has understood it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I just think it's always good to remind everyone that everyone experiences reality differently. Everyone interprets things differently. Everyone is going to have a slightly different, different definition. Um, But it is, important for science to try to have one specific definition so we gotta we gotta figure out how to work around that and work with it I should say not around it we unfortunately studies can't work off of vibes (laughs) yeah damn it yeah unfortunately (laughs) which and the other thing that I hope with um for those who are listening to this I hope some of our questions and the way that we've kind of poked and prodded and peeled this really complex um subject we've just started peeling it apart you know um that it causes you to think and, and really um, ponder about, you know, the, what are states of consciousness? What is consciousness and how can altered states really be utilized? Not only in the, the pagan and and witchcraft uh, sphere or communities, but just overall, um, you know, what is it that we're, how are we best utilizing and studying and, and thinking about consciousness um, so I just I really hope that our conversation at least sparks some questions and, and some deeper inquiry. We might not be scholars, but I appreciate that we're we're at least discussing this in a way. And uh, we, or at least I hope that maybe some people will, uh, in thinking about altered states of consciousness, achieve their own altered state of consciousness. Um, yeah, did you guys <laughs> zone out listening to us because we're boring? I mean, no, we're not. <laughs> no, we're fascinating. That's why we did you have fall asleep listening listeners. to this. Did you have an interesting dream? Are you waking up to us, <laughs> accusing you of falling asleep and listening to us. <laughs> anyway, yes. okay. I'll, I mean, I'll listen to this in my sleep and see what happens. <laughs> what dreams yes, do you have? please do. And yeah, please let us know if you reached an altered state of consciousness while listening to us debate about altered states of consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> we would love to know. Um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Three of Witches. We're always eager to hear about our listeners Anything. and yeah. whatever they would like to tell us. Um, but don't be mean, please. Um, yeah. But thank you so much for listening. We will uh, be back in about two weeks. Bye. See you in your dreams. <laughs>